Flyers Fix. Flyers Fix. With Jason Mertidis and Brian Smith. And welcome to episode number one of Flyers Fix, a brand new podcast featured here uh, by the Philadelphia Flyers on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. You'll have the opportunity to subscribe. It's Jason Mertidis alongside Brian Smith, and we'll be bringing you this podcast at least every other week throughout the remainder of the season. And we're going to talk to a lot of players, a lot of coaches, some front office, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking Flyers hockey. Schmitty, uh, it's the all-star break. Uh, what have you been doing for the break? Well, a lot of lacrosse, if you want to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's a quiet week coming up here for for the Flyers, and uh, you know, a nice little break in the middle of the year that they've been doing now for the past few years. And to be honest, I was just happy that it wasn't another situation like they've had in the past, where they'd won like ten games in a row, and then all of a sudden you hit the break, and now you got to stop. Um, you know, they were. Uh, chugging along pretty consistently and it, it, you know it's definitely i think some some uh momentum they can keep going on the other side of it so uh but it'll be uh, a good week of r&r for everybody here and then uh you know right back at it next weekend um before we go forward with this we just do want to send our, our condolences to kobe bryant his family and all those affected with the horrific uh, helicopter crash that happened out in calabasas california so uh, kobe was a philly guy grew up here obviously went to lower marion and had a great nba career so our, our condolences go out to certainly him his family and everyone affected from that horrible tragedy um this podcast is going to be a lot of fun. It's part of the New Friars Broadcast Network, and we're going to be bringing you all kinds of different content. This, uh, I know Andrea Helfer, she's going to be doing uh, her own podcast as well, and we're going to have Flyers Daily. I'll be giving everybody a daily podcast as well, and this is going to be really cool, Brian, because we're going to get a chance to talk to a lot of players, and one of the things that we're going to try to accomplish here is to let this fan base get to know these players beyond just that we got to get pucks deep, we got to create time and space and take it away and all that stuff. So that's what our aim is here to do on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun where, um, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, some, you know, various things. We've got the podcast here. We've got Flyers Radio 24-7 as part of this, which has been around for a couple of years. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks uh, that have tuned into that know it's mostly just uh, games and replays and things like that. We're looking to bring some of the players in on that as well, uh, you know, trying to do some guest DJ hours, some stuff like that. So, yeah, opportunities to get a look behind uh, behind the scenes a little bit as to what these guys are like on a, on a day-to-day basis, not just on the ice. Uh, Andrea is going to have a, a lot of that stuff in her podcast. So, uh, it's looking look to be a lot of fun and uh, pretty excited here for the stretch run with, with all of this and, uh, you know, just seeing what this team can get going here as we get close to the playoffs. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that so many of these guys on the team, um, beyond just being interviewed by the media, are actually pretty funny. Guys. Like Jake Voracek is a guy who will say something. You know, there's guys that yeah. Kevin Hayes is like personality bubbling over the top of the – is boiling over the, you know, onto the stove. So there's mm-hmm. these guys that certainly have a ton of personality. Now, where we're going to start, and we're going to talk to uh, Travis Konechny, who, of course, had All-Star Weekend this past weekend, his first All-Star game. We're also going to talk with Flyers uh, goalie coach Kim Dillabaugh. But let's start with Travis Konechny, uh, Schmitty. You know, he has his first All-Star game. He goes out there, does the fastest skater competition. He didn't fall, which he wanted to accomplish. He didn't want to, you know, toe pick. Uh, <laughs> yep. He's shown well in the game, despite the fact that the Metro went down in the first game. Yeah, you know, it's it's always I think a new thing when you know, interesting when it's a new thing for a player like like TK. You know, he's never uh, been in an event like that at least at the NHL level, and uh, you know, you you're, you get uh, you get out of your comfort zone a little bit. I know it's hockey, and I know it's uh, you know they, they do this every day, but they don't have 
a speed skating competition every day. And uh, when, when you know, a lot of times you're not uh, not out there by yourself every day either. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm sure there were some nerves there. But uh, but overall, I'm sure it was a great experience. You know, folks got to see what he's been so valuable for the Flyers this year. He didn't score, but he had the three assists. Uh, you know, that's exactly what he's been doing this year. He's had, you know, obviously, some gold production, but uh, those assists are, are what's been uh, kind of his uh, breakout season, if you will. So, you know, it was great to see him out there. Uh, you know, Claude, nothing against Claude Giroux. He'd been uh, to, to six of these. I'm sure he enjoyed having the, the time off and maybe uh, get, letting get somebody else take a turn, and uh, TK was perfect for it. Yeah, I saw uh, Claude's wife actually tweeted out a video of Claude and the baby floating around some lazy river somewhere in the Caribbean. So good on him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's where I would be if I, uh, if I if I was able to get away like that. Yeah, no question about it. So let's look at Travis Connecting. He was drafted way back. It seems like forever now, but it's only 2015. Ron Hextall moved up uh, to get Travis Connecting 24th in the first round in that year. He's been in the NHL now four years. He played 70 games in year one, 81 games in 17-18, and then uh, 82 last year, and he's played 47 so far this year. But you mean, the growth curve is, is really consistent. You know, 11 goals, 17 assists, 28 points in the first year, and you see a minus two, but then a year two, starts to learn the game a little bit, 24 and 23 for 47, and a plus 17, another 24 goals last year. There's been growth every year. Yeah, and I think that's exactly why you see him in the All Star game this year. It has been the typical, um, you know, typical start from a career and, and just get better and better. And that's the really promising thing about Travis Konechny. I think if you were to look back at the same numbers for Claude Giroux, you would see a very similar progression. So, you know, with any luck, he's going to have a similar progression to what uh, what Claude had here at the earlier part of this past decade. And uh, you know, just keep right on going from here. Uh, you know, it's one of those situations where the Flyers had uh, the two picks in the draft that year in that first round. Uh, they knew they were getting a stud, obviously, when they when they got Ivan Prover off. But, uh, you know, on, on the back end of that first round, able to get a player like Connecting that's developed into the player that he is. Uh, back in the time, when you recall, the Flyers were trying to restock their defense uh, back after the, you know, in the years after Chris Pronger's injury ended his career prematurely, and they had that huge hole. Uh, you know, now they're trying to build their defense, but they were able to grab TK on the front end. And uh, it's just been terrific to see the kind of player he has grown into. And his ceiling is still pretty high. He's still got uh, some, some years to go here, I think, before he reaches his peak potential. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, because you look at his his ability to score is is prevalent. He's got 17 so far this year, and he started right away in the Czech Republic. He picked up two against the, the Blackhawks, and he hasn't really let his foot off the gas. But his playmaking ability has been something that's opened a lot of people's eyes, and you saw it. You know, you saw the connection between him and James Van Riemsdyk, where Van Riemsdyk set him up for two the other uh, against the Kings, I believe it was, and then TK, uh, you know, returns the favor against uh, the Penguins, and he's setting up James Van Wings like that's a good combination. Absolutely, you know, and and that's the you know when when you look at uh, how these pieces fit together, and Elaine Vigneault and his staff trying to find the right chemistry and the right line combinations. There's a couple different opportunities, I think, where you could put Travis Konechny and give him opportunities to uh, to make some plays and set some guys up for goals. And obviously, uh, you know, Reamer's been one of them. Uh, when you try to look at how you've got to approach 
the NHL with a team like this. I mean, the Flyers are, you know, obviously not a dominant team. They're not a team that is going to go out there every night and be absolutely unstoppable and be able to do whatever they want. They've got to shake things up from game to game. They, they might give give uh, one team a certain kind of offensive attack and and then you know, go out the next night and give another team maybe a little bit of a different look. And I think that's where a guy like uh, Travis comes in so handy and is so valuable and that he can make things happen for, uh, for, for several different guys on, on a roster uh, and, and not just have to be uh, in, in one line or one combination, one spot on the ice to make it work. Now, the good news here, Bryce, too, is that Konechny signs the six-year, $33 million contract, an AAV of 5.5. When you consider the growth that he's had year in and year out, Flyers got themselves a nice bargain, and I know that the contract was something that he wanted to put in the rearview mirror. He did it this offseason. So let's hear from Travis Konechny right now, talking about his first All-Star weekend, the contract, and much more here on Flyers Fix. Joining us now on Flyers Fix, the debut episode, Flyers winger Travis Konechny, All-Star experience. Travis, let me take you back uh, to this summer. You're dealing with the contract and everything, and now you're an All-Star. Like, it kind of comes full circle couldn't have gone any better for you so far. Did, did, does it feel that way now that the contract is alleviated? Um, I mean, it's hard to say. Looking back, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was just focused on getting a deal done and, and trying to get back with my team. And, um, I mean, now that everything's kind of fallen into place, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's pretty, uh, surreal to think about, uh, being an all-star and then having the contract thing this summer. It's just been a lot going on, but, uh, you know, I'm definitely honored to be here. Um, in the summertime when the, the new coach was named and that was Elaine Vino, of course, um, you're a player with the way you skate. Um, that can flourish in his system. Did you feel like that was a good fit for you right away? Did you know anything about his style of coaching before he came here? No, I wasn't too sure on, on the, the style. I had talked a little bit around the league to try to get an understanding on it. Um, but, I mean, not, now that I've played uh, under his systems and, and um, you know, with with the other assistant coaches too, like uh, it plays right into my hands and, and how I like to play the game. This season is your fourth in the NHL uh, since making the team back in 16-17. You've uh, had growth every year in your points. The two years prior, you had 24 goals in each of those years. Uh, what have you learned kind of along the way? For me, I, I've learned, um, uh, I mean, it's it, there's a combination of things. But for me, it's just uh, been, been trying to always better myself in the summer. I mean, um, I was obviously uh, happy and, and uh, excited for the 20 goal season the first time and then um you know i knew that i could go back into the to the summers and you know still improve on my game and and uh, work on little things and i think that's kind of what i've learned uh you know going through the the transitions of you know the you know somewhat successful seasons i've had but just you know make sure i continue to, to try to get better every year and never be satisfied everybody likes when you play a sport and you're playing at a high level you like to play it with a free mind now that the contract's in the rearview mirror and all that stuff, you're out of your entry-level deal. To, to me, it almost looks like you're more free of mind now than you've ever been. And you've always been a really kind of laid-back guy to begin with, but you look even more free in that regard. Is that, do you feel that way? Yeah, I definitely feel a little more relaxed on the ice. And, um, I mean, I think it transitions into my game a little bit with having a little more confidence with the puck. And, um, I mean, I think overall, it's just a matter of uh, I've played a couple more seasons now, and it's just the, um, you know, the nerves kind of throw the game go away a little bit. And, um, 
you know, I just try to settle into games and settle in and have, have confidence in my line mates and, and coaching staff. And, uh, just kind of full circle now with, with understanding the game and, um, you know, f- figuring it out as I, I've, you know, grown each and every year. Uh, I've been doing this a long time and I've been talking to young players for over a decade. Um, you came into this league and you were already relaxed. A lot of guys, the first time I interview them or they're in front of media, they look like they're going to pass out. Yeah. You, why, why, I feel today. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Well, you're on the a big national stage, but, um, when you came in here, you were comfortable right away in that role. Is- I mean, I just always had the approach. I just got to be myself and, um, you know, just kind of put it out there and, and, uh, try to be personable and meet people. And, um, I think that's kind of been a quality that my parents have, have given me and my brother. And, um, I mean, I think that's why I've kind of been relaxed on the cameras. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, if, if people uh, don't like you, there's nothing you can do about it. So you just give, give your honest answer and, and just uh, be humble and, and, you know, respect people that have come before you. So your brother gave you some advice on the fastest skater competition. What did he say to you? <laughs> well, he said, don't be last. And, uh, stay on your two feet that's what he said today <laughs> is that one of those things when you find out you're doing that you're just like you just think you're going to toe pick i mean it's definitely crossed my mind multiple times <laughs> today um but then you just go back to how many times have i put on the skates and i have not fallen one time um and then when i thought of that i thought well that hasn't happened either because i fall multiple times through a game so <laughs> i just yeah who knows what's gonna happen i'm just gonna have fun with it if i fall uh, get back up and give a wave and keep going. So what's it mean to, to be in, you know, playing and, and in the skills competition with guys like Connor McDavid and with the guys that uh, you battle against in the Eastern conference in the Metro um, to be there with the elite players that you NHL, it, is it still kind of a pinch me moment for you? Um, I mean, it's definitely going to be, you know, a special experience. My first all-star game. And um, some of these guys have been here, for years now and have, have been doing this. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to be here, but um, I'm more excited just to get to know some of the guys around the league. That's how you don't get a chance to meet. All right. Well, you're a guy that likes to talk um, and you play these teams and the guys that you'll be dressing in the same room with many times is, does that get yeah. uncomfortable for you? Or is it just like, Hey man, that's when we're yeah. wearing opposing jerseys. Uh, a little bit. I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, I, that's kind of one of the main things I was nervous about is going to the rink today and meeting everybody. But, uh, I mean, G talked to me before I left and just said, enjoy it. Have a great time. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. So I'm, I'm just going to be, uh, be myself and, you know, try to get to know some people. Um, playing this sport, you know, you spend so much time with your parents, road tripping all over camps, uh, games early in the morning. When you got to tell your parents that you made the all-star team, what was that moment like? Yeah, it was pretty special. Uh, I mean, they they didn't know what I was talking about at first. They were kind of questioning what I was talking about, and uh, my dad was pretty excited for me. I know, you know, especially uh, growing up around hockey, uh, my dad and my brother were probably the most excited. And um, now that we've gotten here, my brother is uh, just over the top about just enjoying the experience and, you know, being here as a family and soaking it all up together. Is your brother your plus one all weekend? Uh, he'll be around for sure. <laughs> I mean, he's probably got some sort of all-inclusive pass that'll get him anywhere. Well, that's good on him for doing it. Um, this, this, the unofficial, I guess, second half of the season will be waiting for you upon your return, and uh, we'll begin in Pittsburgh on Friday. Uh, what do you guys got to do? You're right on that bubble right now, actually tied in points, but on the outside looking in. What do you guys got to do as a team moving forward to ensure that uh, come uh, playoff time, you're one of the participants? I mean, I think more of the same of what we've been up to as of late. Um, 
as far as I'm concerned, we just had that one little slide uh, at the West Coast. But other than that, we've been playing great hockey. We've been, you know, doing all the little things that you need to do to, to get into the playoff position. And, um, you know, I, I believe we've been playing playoff hockey as of late. So we just got to continue to do the same. Um, when you look at the travel schedule in the first half, I know as a player, you won't ever make an excuse about it, but it was rigorous starting over in the yeah. Czech Republic and then home for a game that on the West Coast, most back-to-backs in the league. To not only have to leave your time zone one more time and a lot of division games, that's something that you guys got to be looking forward to because every win means even more. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be nice being home for sure. I mean, uh, those road trips definitely caught up to us, and it's, it's not an excuse because everyone goes through it. But... Uh, I mean, as of now, we're going to be home a lot more now, and I'm sure that's going to help our, uh, you know, our record. And we've been great at home, so we just got to continue to do the same. Well, Travis, I, I know that, uh, you know, making your first All-Star game is a huge deal, and I know you're going to enjoy it, and uh, you're making Flyer fans proud. And uh, we're looking forward to a great performance. And obviously, when you guys uh, get back underway on Friday, everybody's going to be rooting you guys on uh, against the Penguins after that 3 nothing win. Have a great time, man. We appreciate you doing this on Flyers Fix. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Flyers winger Travis Konechny, fresh off All-Star Weekend. And, Brian, you know, we've dealt with a lot of players, you over the years, myself, interviewing players. And when young players come in, a lot of times, maybe the first time, a couple of times you talk to them or a couple of years, they're a little intimidated by the media. They look like they're going to pass out. Konechny, feels like he's sitting on the edge of a dock, feet in the water, fishing, and just hanging out, has always been really chill and never intimidated by the media. You notice that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, you know, not not to drag other folks in, but it's not just him. It's something that really struck me, too, about Shane Gostisbehere a few years before uh, Travis was in the organization. And it's, uh, you know, it seems maybe just to be a little bit of uh, a trend with the younger players that they are a little more comfortable, perhaps, in uh, some of these situations. I don't know. Maybe it's just the personalities. But you're right. There certainly have been situations where, uh, you know, first uh, first few guys are like deer and headlights type things. But uh, not the case with, with Travis Konechny. He is uh, pretty confident in terms of how he carries himself and uh, you know what he can bring to the table and it uh, it has shown over the uh, past couple of years as he's developed and uh, you know even though early on uh, when you know he was still a rookie and and you know even before he even got here with some of those prospect camps that he was in um, you know you never you know you never felt like you were uh, in a conversation with him where he was uncomfortable or anything like that. Uh, you know, he's always, again, had that uh, air of confidence and, uh, uh, you know, a guy that is uh, pretty easygoing when it comes to talking to people. And I think that we know that he can talk pretty good on the ice as well. He's got a little stirred a bit. Uh, Bri, a couple of the guys uh, that could have been considered for the All-Star game from the Flyers. Ultimately, Konechny is the lone representative for the Philadelphia Flyers. Not a lot of guys get into the All-Star game anymore either. It's very rare. Teams get multiple players. But that being the case, who are the guys that you look at it, you go, okay, these guys could have got a nod for their play this year. Do you look at a guy like Sean Couturier or Ivan Provorov? Oh, absolutely. And, and you're right. Just with the way the structure is right now in this three-on-three tournament, um, it is a much different look uh, every year to the All-Star game than it used to be. And that's just the standpoint of well, what the game's like now. It was, it's not like when you're trying to – you know, you're trying to form two full teams like you used to, and then you could get more than one guy on there. Uh, you know, having uh, the three-on-three format uh, just kind of chokes you down. I, I don't have it in front of me, but I don't think there were a whole lot of teams at all that even had uh, 
you know, even had more than one representative. So it's not just a flyers thing, but, uh, but definitely a guy like, um, like Sean Couturier, hopefully we'll get a shot at it sometime. Um, you know, his, uh, his game is, is certainly perhaps not the kind of thing that, uh, would, would draw attention in an all-star format, but and we're going to talk about this later, but you know, the selkie kind of game is, uh, is not the flashy kind of game. And I don't really even know, I'd have to go back and look at how they picked defensemen for this game. Um, but, but Ivan Provorov certainly with the kind of player he is, would be a, a deserving candidate as well. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it goes here over the next, uh, five, six years as uh, some of these younger players on the Flyers roster start to establish themselves and make themselves key portions of this team. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to see a situation like we have in the last uh, five, six years where one guy just dominates the call up every time. I think you're going to see a few, uh, few, few guys kind of come and go and get their turns as, uh, as the years go on. Yeah, no question. And fresh blood. Provorov in 50 games, by the way. He has six power play goals this year. And he also had that tremendous coast-to-coast game-winning goal in overtime, I believe, against Montreal, was it? Or Ottawa, one of those teams? Yeah. And, yeah. yeah I mean, and, and with his conditioning, the three-on-three game is great because you got to cover a lot of surface out there uh, during the three-on-three. Um, some of the other guys, uh, you know, you look at guys that have been to all-star games before for the Flyers. You mentioned Giroux uh, with six all-star game appearances, but he'll, ha- he'll happily take uh, kind of the, the time this time to recharge his batteries, get ready for the final 32 and go from there. Um, but uh, congratulations to Travis Konechny, and you're right about Couturier, too. Um, he may not be the flashiest player on the team, but he is likely, other than goaltending, perhaps the most important player to this team's success with what he's able to do in those matchups against the other team's top lines. Yeah, there's no question about it. Just in terms of uh, maybe an MVP or a guy that you just could not live without, I think uh, Sean Couturier would be at the top of that list because of everything he brings to the table. Uh, you know, if the Flyers are in a game where it's, uh, uh, you know, a, an offensive you know, six, five, seven, six game. He contributes there. If it's a one, nothing game, uh, he probably contributes more than any other forward on the ice in terms of uh, the defensive side of his game. Uh, if they're going up against a team with multiple superstars, uh, he, he's able to shut down usually at least one of them, if not both. Um, you get a game where the Flyers get eight power play opportunities. He's right there. They have to kill off five penalties. He's right there too. So all those different situations, he is so important to this team. Uh, he's, uh, you know, definitely one of those guys that they cannot do without, uh, you know, if you, if you, if we're going to get into that game, I mean, you know, you, you lose either your top two defense and flyers are kind of stuck too right now, but, uh, you know, in terms of overall, what he brings to the, the table, um, you know, Sean Couturier is, is probably as, as good as it gets for this team. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Brian, one of the other, uh, areas that this team has been much better and it's the addition of Kevin Hayes and the penalty kill. The penalty kill was uh, a rough a rough spot for the team. You know, the last couple of years, uh, 26 last year, they finished at a 78.5. Right now it's ninth in the NHL at an 82.2 success rate. Um, and a big part of that is the addition of Kevin Hayes. His ability to protect the puck and shield the puck and rag time has been sensational for this team. Yeah, he really has. And, and even beyond that and the numbers on the penalty kill, I think is the effect it has on the game overall, having him on the ice in those situations, because the flyers in the last few years had been in situations where 
they really had no choice other than to rely on Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier in a lot of penalty killing situations. And that just adds up, uh, you know, when, when you're, when you're spending a lot of time in those situations, trying to kill off penalties, it takes away from your, your energy at five on five and your energy on the power play. And then it just starts to add up over the course of the season. So having him on this roster, not, not only as uh, you know, that second line center hole, but being able to fill those roles, as well and help Couturier and help Giroux with some of those duties is, uh, is huge in terms of trying to keep all three players fresh. And, and beyond that, I mean, when, you know, nobody knew what was coming with Nolan Patrick and, and had not having him, and can you imagine if the flyers didn't have Kevin Hayes and then lost Nolan Patrick for as long as they have. I mean, we're talking about a completely different season, I think in, in that situation. So uh, yeah, but that, that's been one of the keys I think to where the flyers are right now is, uh, you know, and, and again, they did have to overpay, and it was just the, it's the way the market was, and and that's fine. Uh, but um, I think they make up for it with some of the other contracts they have, like Konechny's, which is going to be a bargain in a few years. Sean Couturier's contract is already a bargain. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's all evened out, but having him in those situations has been huge for this team this year. Yeah, no doubt. Now, the other area where has been a big help has been goaltending. Now, I believe by this time last year, the Flyers had already gone eight goaltenders deep, or at least seven at this point, right? Um, I'm pretty sure it was eight by now, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just an incredible number. Nobody's got depth to go four deep, let alone eight deep, where you're bringing in guys off uh, waivers and guys like off the, the scrap heap. No offense to Mike McKenna or Cal Pickard, but um, you saw just about everybody that had a set of pads in a game last year for the Flyers. This year, I thought you were going to have to go in at some point. You know, I was like number 42 on the list, I believe. <laughs> and I it's going to be like more than just the carnival. It was going to be a regular season. Yes. Yeah. Hey, man, I, I'm up for it. I'm trying to move up to like 38 on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far this year, uh, Carter Hart's played in 32 games. Brian Ellett's played in 24. And Alex Lyons played in one. That's just due to the lower abdominal injury that Carter Hart's dealing with now. Um, goaltending's been better because you're using those two guys despite the fact, Schmitty, that they haven't been good on the road uh, from a goaltending standpoint, and the numbers bear that out. Yeah, and and again, that's the, that's one of the most perplexing things, I think, for this team right now that they're trying to figure out is that whole road thing. But, uh, um, you know, this is the kind of player that Ron Hextall thought he was getting uh, when Brian Elliott signed up for last season. And, and, you know, it was just one of those deals where they thought, okay, he's, he's going to be fine. And, and then all of a sudden that injury bug struck him in November and set this whole thing in motion. Um, and, and now I think we're seeing what uh, the Flyers had expected to get from Brian Elliott over that two-year contract. So that obviously has been a, a big help. He has uh, demonstrated that he is still an NHL caliber goaltender. Um, you know, when, when uh, and, and I, don't, I don't mean to say that uh, there's a difference between a starter and a backup, I, I do subscribe to the theory that, you know, you need to play both your goalies, um, you know, it, it, at least 50, 30, um, if not split it straight down the middle. Uh, but he is, uh, you know, a- a- absolutely uh, answered the bell for this Flyers team and, and Carter Hart has as well. Uh, you know, we're seeing glimpses of what he's going to be. I think what we all hope he's going to be, um, you know, again, the whole, home road thing doesn't make much sense just from the standpoint of last year. He was better on the road than he was at home. And people thought, well, is he 
squeezing the stick at home? Is it too much pressure trying to live up to the Philly hype on goaltenders and stuff like that? Well, you know, this year it's, you know, it's exactly the opposite. So hopefully somewhere in there we can find a happy medium and, and figure out exactly what the overall, I don't, I, you know, by, by no means. So I think that that road issue is all on any one person. It seems to be a team thing uh, and they've done everything from, you know, try to, change the times that they have meetings during the day to, you know, Chuck Fletcher was talking about, do you skate in the morning? Do you not skate in the morning? Um, you know, do you practice? Do you not practice? Do you practice before you fly? Do you practice after you fly? I mean, there's so many variables on the road that you can use to try to change things up. But, uh, you know, hopefully it's something that just is one of those weird phases that you have over the course of a hockey season and they can come out uh, in this uh, last 30 games and, and straighten it out a little bit. Well, the, here's the deal. Here's the number, the raw number for Hart at home. 1.69 goals against average and a 940 save percentage. The other number I'll give you in regards to goaltending right before we get to Kim Dilbaugh is Brian Elliott play, has played in 24 games. He's won 12 of them. When you get 12 wins to this point in the season from your backup goaltender, I will tell you that is all good. That is Yeah, huge. absolutely. And absolutely. Yeah, I love the fact that they brought him back, and I had a chance to talk to Moose uh, before the season during uh, preseason and training camp and asked him, I said, man, you look really good. Your movements are great and all that stuff. You know, what? You know, how do you feel? And he said, like, what's it, what are you attributing it to? And he just said, I had the summer to train. I didn't have to rehab. And yeah. for, a, for any yeah. athlete, that's huge. For a goaltender who was dealing with core issues, it's even bigger, and you, yep. see, you see the result of that. I mean, he he's a guy that's extremely competitive. Yeah. So, it's a great and game. you saw how much you know you saw how much a skater struggled with it with with uh, with Giroux having to deal with it with Gostisbehere mm-hmm. having to deal with it. I mean, it's it is a difficult thing those core injuries for any hockey player, but especially if you're a goaltender, and that's ninety percent of what you're doing is uh, you know left, right, up, down. You know your your arms don't come into it. I don't think a whole lot. Um, not ever yeah, have twisting and contorting. Goal, yeah, goaltended a day in my life in, a, in any sort of hockey game, <laughs> but uh, but it really seems to me that that is. I mean, and then you know back in the the butterfly days. Um, you know, when that was first coming on, you started to see everybody's hips deteriorating and stuff. Uh, it was the same kind of thing. Now it seems to be more of a core muscle thing, but, but you're, you know, he's spot on, uh, that, that you don't have to worry about that over the summer and can focus on your training and technique. Uh, you know, that definitely makes a difference. Well, one of the big guys in helping both Carter Hart, Brian Elliott and Alex Lyon as well, uh, with that technique and the technical aspects of goaltending, keeping them sane through a season, Showing them video, should they like to watch video? We cover all that and more with Flyers goalie coach Kim Dullabaugh here on Flyers Fix. I'm very excited, and everybody listening probably knows why, because I'm sitting down with Flyers goalie coach Kim Dillabaugh. Kim, how are you doing today? Doing very well, thanks. Uh, it's rare that people get a peek behind the goalie curtain. Goalies don't speak a lot. Um, goalie coaches don't speak a lot. And with the development of Carter Hart here, uh, Brian Elliott as his backup, I definitely wanted to speak with you. Now, you spent uh, eight years with the Los Angeles Kings in the director of uh, player development role, and you worked with a guy that uh, happened to be pretty darn good, an American goaltender as well, and Jonathan Quick. Played, started his pro career in Reading with the uh, Reading Royals, made his way to the AHL, and you got your hands on him, and the development was uh, pretty astounding, and the finished product was amazing. A couple of cups, a con Smythe along the way. Uh, what was it like working with a guy like Jonathan Quick, who's got a ton of compete in his game? Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, he, he was just a guy that was really uh, – 
you know, just a, a great competitor. You know, he's a guy that always uh, loved challenges. Um, the only thing that really he wanted to do, uh, he didn't. It didn't matter how the outcome ended. It was all about winning with him. So whether it was a, a six-five game or a two-one, as long as he got that uh, that win, that's really all that mattered to him. But uh, you know what? He was a guy that was thirsty for knowledge. A guy that really wanted to invest in his game. Took a lot of time to build on uh, what he had in terms of. Um, getting stability to his game and just uh, rounding his game out to kind of the finished product that you see today. The goalies that you've had here in Philadelphia, you've had a few. Um, it, was it, is it the nightmare of a goalie coach to ha- have what happened last year, going eight deep? Uh, I mean, that's a tough yeah. position for you. I mean, you were next. Yes, I was next. I was next a few different times. But, uh, yeah, I mean, injuries are never uh, something you like to see at any position. And obviously, from the goaltending standpoint, um, you have to dig deep into your, uh, you know, to your stable to replace guys when you go through a situation with that many injuries. So um, it was a challenging uh, time for uh, our group and our goaltenders. And, you know, a lot of the guys that came through, um, you know, uh, did did a good job, and it's a challenging situation when you're coming in into an environment um, and you're trying to gain traction and, and uh, trying to get yourself, uh, um, you know, established, and and uh, can be challenging. So, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely not a record you want to, you want to have to uh, be a part of. But you know what? Again, it's something you can't control. Injuries are part of the game, and you got to try to manage as best you can. And you brought some pretty good guys in with Pickard and a guy like Mike McKenna, who's just a great guy. Um, working with a young goaltender like Carter Hart, not that this is completely unchartered territory for a young goaltender to make an impression on the NHL uh, under 22 years old. He's a kid that has been preparing for this stage all his life from a mental standpoint, on the ice, off the ice. Talk about what you've seen out of him up here at this level, really, since you drafted him and the development that he's had over the past couple of years. Well, he just takes he takes every day as what it is. You know, he doesn't look too far ahead. He doesn't try and plan long term. Um, you know what he wants to accomplish. It's about the day to day process. So, if if it's a practice day, it's about getting the most out of that practice. If it's a game day, obviously there's a preparational phase and going through the right protocol to prepare for the game. If it's an off day, it's about looking after your body the right way. Um, you know, getting your rest and your recovery and doing all the little things that are going to help you perform. So, I think he's he's had that short-term mentality and approach to things and uh, a big uh, uh, you know constant for us is focus, focusing on the process and not worrying too much about uh, what's down the road it's about what's in front of us uh, today why was it so important for you guys you know Brian Elliott comes back that wasn't a foregone conclusion that he would be back a lot of people say well there's other goalies in the system Anthony Stolarz was here maybe that's the option to bring a veteran goalie to be the tandem with a guy like Carter Hart, it's pretty important to be able to show him how to be a pro and handle the ups and downs of a, a really tough league. Yeah, I, I mean, Brian's been a good goalie in this league for a long time, and he's played good hockey for us here through his time in Philadelphia. And uh, There's a, a relationship there with him and Carter uh, leading into you know uh, the decision for him to come back and be a part of our organization again this year. So, you know, there's a lot of variables that lined up that made uh, Brian a really good fit for us. And, and again, you know, we... Uh, we want someone that's going to go in there and compete with Carter as well, and, and Brian's done a good job of that. You know, I think it, and you have a competitive environment there. Both guys um, want the net. They're challenging each other for the net. They raise their level, and uh, again, Brian's a, a good professional. Um, he didn't take an easy pathway to get to the NHL, 
Um, so he had some different challenges. He had to overcome adversity. He had to overcome to become an NHL goaltender. And um, I think that's that's a good thing for a young player to see. Um, the tweaks to Carter's game, as I mentioned, he's a very technical goaltender. You know, a lot of uh, repetition involved in, in the way he's prepared his game for this level. Uh, when you got him, what were some of the things that you wanted to maybe adjust a little bit? Depth, post integrations, anything like that? Yeah, I, you know what? Um, you know, he, like you said, he's very polished, very uh, well-structured. and, and uh, More so know, than some of the veterans in the league, Yeah, by the way. he's worked extremely hard. He's got a good network of people that he's worked with over the years. So, you know, obviously you look at, at how he plays the game and... Um, you know, it's very mature for uh, you know for a goaltender his age. But um, I think the one thing you run into, and we had this uh, through my time in Los Angeles with guys like Jonathan Quick, Jonathan Bernier, Martin Jones, guys like that. That you know, it's about transitioning their game to the next level. You know, things happen a little bit faster. Um, the execution's a little bit better. Um, you know, so there's different things that your game has to adapt to, um, being a little bit uh, more urgent, making sure you're aware of what's going on away from pucks, learning when to abandon your structure and be uh, athletic or dynamic, and, and sometimes just finding a way to be in desperation yeah. mode. And I think for a guy like Carter, it's very similar to a guy like Jonathan Bernier, who had such a good, strong technical package, reads the game at an extremely high level. Sometimes at the lower levels, you don't have to be as dynamic or come outside your structure as much. And, you know, like you, we talked about earlier, in our position, we can't control a lot of things that happen in front of us. If a puck hits off a shin pad and ends up on a player's stick at the side of the net and you have a split second, you can't get yourself over there typically the way you would want to. So you have to do something in a desperation fashion to try and keep that puck outside the net. So uh, at the lower levels, uh, you have a little bit more time to use your structure in those situations. At the highest level, you don't have to. So it's adapting in those situations and find a way to balance your game out a little bit more. The best goalies in the NHL all have a unique ability. It, part, you know, part of it, obviously, is athletic ability, but they also have an ability to read, to read plays, read threats, and do those kind of things at an elite level. How's that developed in his time so far with here with the Flyers? I, I think you can break it down into two different categories. There's more structured reads where pucks are maybe moving around the perimeter and you can take information in by looking off pucks when they're in non-threatening areas and kind of gather information that way. And, and to me, that's more of a structured read. And then you have your dynamic reads where, like I said before, things happen quickly. The dynamics of a play change quickly. You have to make that read and adjust and adapt. And I think that's been the biggest thing for Carter is getting better in those situations. Um, and it's more so him not having uh, to face as many of those at the lower levels. And here things happen extremely quick. And sometimes um, in those situations there, um, you know, you don't have a lot of time. So therefore, you got to make sure that um, you're prepared in those situations. You got to make uh, quick decisions with limited information. That's where sometimes, again, you have to have more tools to rely on in those situations to be successful. Yeah, and NHL players, they know how to put layered screens on you and things like that at such a level that they're trying. They know how to make it really difficult on a goaltender. Uh, for sure, like I said, it's uh, you know uh, at this level, um, people. Um, the preparation on, on all fronts is a lot better. People know what they're up against every night. Um, they do their homework and, and the pre-scouts. And so, you know, you're informed on the people that you're going against every night. So you have to make sure um, that, you know, my philosophy a lot of the time is is, is we obviously prepare for our opponent, but we got to make sure we're prepared. We're prepared to do our job. We're, we're, if we operate at the level we're capable of and we're detailed and our habits are where they need to be and we're focused on what we need to do be do to be successful, um, really in the big picture, the opponent shouldn't matter. Last question for Kim Dillaball, Flyers goalie coach. Um, 
two goalies are all different. Some of them like a lot of video. Some of them like a lot of pre-scout. They like to know what guys are going to do on a shootout prior to that game. Some of them don't like that because they don't want to be leaning and get caught looking bad. What do your goalies prefer? Uh, you know what? I have uh, some of the goalies I've dealt with over the years like to have more information, some uh, less information. And again, it's... Um, you know, it's about how you prepare, and I think if you worry about your game first and foremost, you're better equipped to handle anything that might unfold. Sometimes teams change attacks. Some uh, of your opponents might like to do something, but again, we all adapt and change, and some of those changes happen in game. So you can't get too focused on that because then I think you can get uh, a little bit predetermined in how you're going to handle situations. And if you're not processing things, sometimes in in real time, um, you can set yourself up for failure. So I think there's a balance there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, and again, sometimes in shootouts, we'll talk about tendencies, let alone exactly what guys might like to do because they can deviate and change. So, um, but there are some certain tendencies you can pick up on, whether it's on a, a five on five, five on four individual tendencies or, or things in shootouts. There's always little things you can pick up just to give yourself a little bit of an edge. And he definitely going to go, oh, this guy always goes high blocker. You're thinking he goes high blocker, and then he just slides it right past your glove. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like that. It's and a bad it look. Typically doesn't look good. So, yeah. <laughs> Kim, hey, we appreciate you doing this. Uh, good luck. Uh, the rest of the season all right thanks very much there you go flyers goaltending coach kim dillabaugh on uh how he deals with his goaltenders had a lot of success with jonathan quick out in la flyer fans are hoping they duplicates that success with carter hart here in philadelphia it's flyers fix that's uh brian smith jason martinez the debut episode and schmitty one of the things that just came out in the past couple of days that really intrigued me was uh the professional hockey writers association's mid-season awards now, it's technically not the mid-season, but they gave out all their awards for, uh, you know, the heart, how they would vote them now, the Selkie, and you alluded yeah. to that earlier. Did you not know they did that either? Because I didn't. <laughs> I think it's the first time I've ever seen it. Yeah, I haven't noticed it before if they've done it before, but it's interesting to to take that approach, yeah. Yeah, so the awards come out, and you see the different guys that uh, won that they had in there with – you know, uh, a, a guy like Connor McDavid and uh, winning the heart. The Selkie winner at this point is Sean Couturier. Now, it will end up that way at the end of the year. We'll see. Uh, John Carlson from the Capitals is on a 100-point pace to win the Norris. Looks like that's his to lose, if at all possible. So I thought it'd be fun is if we took those categories and we had our top two flyers for each of those categories, including the Lady Bing, everybody's favorite. So let's start. With the comeback player, your top two, who do you got? Well, I certainly think you got to put Brian Elliott in that, uh, in that description go. for a lot of the reasons we talked about a few minutes ago. In fact, there was even uh, some rumblings, and, and it may have actually happened, that he uh, was a master to nominee, I think, for this team last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the, uh, you know, just, just everything that he'd gone, you know, he'd gone through, you know, he could have easily uh, decided to go somewhere else, decided to – you know, go to Europe, whatever, but uh, was was able to come back to Philadelphia and continue uh, what he'd started to get here. And, you know, from there, it's just been uh, terrific overall here for him over the last couple of years. Um, you know, in, in terms of a second guy, it's, uh, you know, it's a little bit up in the air for this team right now. I'd like to say Shane Goss bear for no other reason than uh, he's, uh, you know, we, we, we'd hope to see him bounce back and have a solid season. I think he is having a, a decent year. He's been dealing with his injury problem right now, but uh, you know, you would love to see him get back to where he was in that first year where he took the league so much by storm. Um, you know what that takes to get him back there. Uh, I don't know, but uh, hopefully he's going to be there at some point. 
Yeah, the guy I have at the top of that list too, I'm right with you, is Brian Elliott, just because of all the injuries that he dealt with. We talked about the you know going eight goalies deep last year, and um, the job he's done this year with a 12-5-3 record is, is sensational. He's been great for the Flyers, coming off that shutout over Pittsburgh as well. Um, so he's the guy I would definitely have as the comeback player. Let's look at the Calder. So that's the rookie of the year in the NHL. And the Flyers have played a lot of young guys so far this season. Who do you got as your top two rookies? I think the top one's probably pretty pretty cut and dry. Yeah, I mean Joel Farabee certainly had a terrific start to his uh, to his NHL career when he comes in and uh, is able to get on this roster and stick there. Um, you know the uh, the the way you've got to kind of adjust your game when you get to this level, I think, is beyond the comprehension of just about anybody that hasn't had to do it themselves. Uh, it is so, so difficult to come up here and, uh, you know, not only uh, play with guys that are, are considerably older and more experienced, but also the skill and the speed that this, uh, that this level has is just, uh, you know, pretty, pretty hard to do. And when you look at Farabee being uh, not even 20 years old yet, when he got up here and uh, was able to stick on this roster and start, uh, you know, really, really contributing to this Flyers team, I certainly think you got to put him there. Yeah, absolutely. He's at the top of the list for me. He's only got the five goals. Um, he's got a suspension mixed in there as well. He'll defend himself out on the ice as well. He's not intimidated um, by the man's game in the NHL. So Farabee at the top. The, the other guy that I looked at, he's, he's had some erratic points in this season, but he's played 32 games. And Phil Myers, his skating is unbelievable. His shot is a bomb, and it looks heavy. And he's the guy that to me, it portions in games along with Travis Sanheim when he's paired up with them have taken over at times. So Phil Myers would be the guy I would put in number two there. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Uh, you know, it's, it's really tough again when you're out there in the defensive situation, you're exposed. And I don't think a lot of, uh, you know, I don't think your average fan necessarily appreciates good defensive play just because it is not, immediately obvious but um you know when you look at how somebody is effective overall in in a game and in terms of trying to shut down uh, quality chances and stuff like that he's been right there with the rest of the defensemen and he's plus 16 right now which is uh, a pretty good number for uh, for a rookie defenseman so yeah i would put him right there with you yeah, that's a great point. I mean, t t to have that that number next to you for a rookie defenseman is it's almost stunning, to be honest with you. And you're right, too. He makes things because of his ability and fluidity with with the way he skates. He makes things not look difficult that are difficult. Great player right. to do that. You know, like Kerry Price, you watch him and you go, oh, my God, he looks like he's just sliding around his crease like he's on a Sunday stroll. Well, that's because the technical abilities and the raw talents there. Phil Myers, it's unbelievable he wasn't even drafted, but nonetheless. Um, He's a good find. Definitely a yeah. good find. And, uh, you know, you, I think in a couple of years right now, when you look at the Flyers' defense and some of the guys they did draft combined with him, it's going to be uh, quite, the, uh, quite, quite the defensive core that's coming down the road here. Oh, yeah, you love a good blue line, too. Um, the Selkie, the number one guy, is just so beyond easy uh, with Sean Couturier. But who would you have uh, as a runner-up to Couturier as the best offensive, you know, defensive forward? Well, you know, it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky proposition because you know we 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 talked about uh, Kevin Hayes and what he brings to the team overall as a as a penalty killer. Um, so you could think about him, but uh, you know, one of the guys that I've always really liked in that role is Scott Lawton. 
Uh, you know, he's, he's one of those, one of those guys that he's just so hard to play against. And when, uh, when, when Couturier has missed game, missed time because of injury in the past, Lawton has been able to step in and fill that role pretty effectively. So I would probably look at him. I think his season is a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit misguided when you look at it as a whole, just because of the time he's missed with injury this year. But, uh, but, but if I don't have Sean Couturier available for whatever reason, I feel a little bit better knowing that, that Scott Lawton's there to pick it up. And that's a great selection. My guy um, that I'm going to go with in this role is, is actually uh, a guy we're all thinking about. And that's Oscar Lindblom, obviously prior to the diagnosis, um, the 200 foot player that he turned into the way he killed yeah. penalties and, and with that offensive touch as well, is a guy that, I mean, he only played 30 games this year, 11 goals and seven assists. He was a leading scorer at the time uh, when he went out. And obviously, we're all thinking about Oscar Limbaugh and Oscar Strong. Um, but he's a guy that uh, I'm going to put as my runner up there in the Selkie. All right, let's head to uh, the Norris. Um, I think we're probably in agreement on this one as well. Yeah, it's Ivan Provorov. I mean, he might he might win the whole thing someday. And I I will preface this by saying that it, it does bug me a little bit in, in, these, in these votes when uh, – when a defenseman gets the Norris just because he happens to lead the league in scoring uh, among defensemen, that doesn't happen a ton in the NHL. I've seen it happen in the American hockey league and some of the other minor leagues. But uh, I, I guess when you're talking about a guy like John Carlson, who has 60 points in 49 games, you can go ahead maybe and make that case uh, this year. But, uh, but, but for the flyers, it's clear um, that it's, it's Proveroff. And if you wanted to do a number two, I'd say it's his partner, Matt Niskanen. Uh, it's really been remarkable um, what uh, Niski has brought to the table that has boosted Proveroff's game not to mention his own performance. Uh, you yeah. know, that's one of those trades that just helped everybody because obviously Radko Gudis is now on a caps team. That's uh, that's lapping the field in the national hockey league in terms of the regular season. But uh, it's a, it's a better fit for him there. I think than what he was being asked to do in Philadelphia and on the flyer side of things, they were able to get a stud top pairing defenseman in Matt Niskanen and a guy to help bring Proveroff along and the rest of the defense as, as well. So, uh, you know, uh, I think those top two guys on that top two pairing just fit right into that one, two slot. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's a trade that Chuck Fletcher made that goes under the radar a little bit. People are like, well, you're going to retain some of Gudis's money and for an aging defenseman, but young defensemen need to learn from guys who have won and are pros. Niskanen has a cup. He's been in this league a long time. He's the perfect guy to help you know, sharpen that curve of developing into a top defenseman. Provorov's having a great year, and you're right. He is he's absolutely going to win a Norris in his career, no question about it. Um, yeah. The Hart Trophy, the league's MVP, so the Flyers MVP, the Bobby Clark Award uh, for Flyer fans. Uh, your top two there, Schmitty. Well, again, for me, uh, we mentioned it a little bit ago. For for me, it's uh, Sean Couturier is in that top slot. And again, that's just because of everything that he brings to the table in so many different situations for this team, whether it's power play, penalty kill, uh, even strength, uh, high scoring game, low scoring game. He is uh, such a valuable tool to this team in all of those different situations. So uh, he'd be my number one there. And if you're going to give a one, one, a, it would be Travis Konechny just with the season that he has had. Uh, I think Oscar Lindblom might've been in that running if it was going to play a full season the way he did, but just to watch those two come along this year, all of a sudden has been so refreshing. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I would lean toward Konechny for, uh, for that one, a there. 
And again, just excited to see where this is going to take him uh, down the road as uh, things continue for him. Yeah, this is kind of the big jump-off point. Yeah, I agree with you on both of them. You, you can't really deny it. Couturier, oh my, he's just... I, I just wish sometimes that everybody knew what they had in this player in this city. Because right. I know he's not flashy. I know he's not one of those guys that pseudo puts butts in the seat. And he's not like an Ovechkin or a Crosby, whatever. I know those guys are global superstars. But what Sean Couturier does to affect every single game, every single period, every single shift is stunning like and it's just not a flashy style of play he's a praying mantis with his length and everything else so yeah he he right now to me is unbelievably impactful for this team um bry uh before we get to the upcoming schedule real quick and put a wrap on our first episode of flyers fix the current matchups right now in the nhl uh if if the season ended, i love when they did say this if the season ended today well it doesn't end today <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah but hypothetically, if it did, I'm falling into the stupid trap. Washington will get Carolina in the first round. Boston will get Columbus. Pittsburgh will get the Islanders. And Tampa will get Florida. Um, so of those eight teams, who's who's going to be in the playoffs come April? Who's not going to be in the playoffs come April? Flyers are on the outside looking in. Do they get in? And whose spot do they take? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because... You know, Gary Bettman has spearheaded an effort over the last decade to uh, to, to promote parity in this league. They wanted to make it situations where you didn't have, uh, you know, five, six, seven teams a year that were going to be pushovers, that were going to be teams that uh, had no chance from the very go uh, of making the playoffs. That number this year, I believe, in the NHL might be two. Um, and so that's where we are as, as a league. And so when it comes down to who's going to get in and who's going to get out, this is going to be one of those years, I think, where it's going to just end up being uh, a veritable crapshoot at the end of the year as far as who gets that final spot. Um, you know, and, and I think the reasoning behind who's not going to be in versus who is just happens to be the fact of, you know, who's got the points right now and who doesn't, uh, you know, you look at uh, where we are coming out of the Sunday of all-star break flyers at 60 points, Carolina at 61, Columbus at 62 Islanders at 63, uh, 61 for Florida, 62 for Tampa. I think Tampa is going to continue uh, the, the trajectory that got them to where they are. Um, I don't know about, the Columbus Blue Jackets. They are riding a hot goaltender. They have been riding one for the last month. Before they got the hot goaltender, um, they were uh, pretty far back. So if I had to pick one of these teams right now that's not going to get in, I think it's going to be the Blue Jackets. I think the consistency is going to be there from the Flyers and from Carolina and from Florida a little bit more than Columbus is going to have. So um, I would say I would say the Blue Jackets, if it's not them, I would think Florida. But I do think the Flyers are going to be able to keep up what they've been doing and uh, outdistance uh, one of those two teams to get in. Again, it's just going to have to do with where things lay in this whole wild card situation because as we stand right now, Florida and, and Tampa sit up there protected in those Atlantic spots and the Flyers technically can't pass them at this point. Uh, they have to pass the two teams in their own division, Carolina and Columbus right now. So, yeah. uh, so that's kind of where I think it's going. I think it's going to be Columbus probably ending up dropping out of there, uh, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I could see the Islanders, Columbus and Carolina. Uh, one of those teams missing. The other team we got to count for is Toronto, 
who's on the outside yes. looking in right now, too. Can they get it back together? They've been a mess lately. But the team I really think could fall out is the Islanders. Matt Barzell, in their last game before the break, was benched in the third period. They blew a, a game earlier in that week. Uh, they were up 4-1 to one against the Washington Capitals and blew a game. Barry Trotz teams don't do that. Mm-hmm. So that's a team I think that could be in a little bit of trouble. They're four, four and two in their last ten, and you're yeah, right yeah. Still, Tortorella's got them steaming right now, but can that goaltending of Elvis Merzlikens hold up? I don't know about that. I think right. eventually the talent could end up costing them. All right. So in the Western Conference, who stays and who goes? Let me give you the squads. St. Louis has got Vegas. Vancouver's got Arizona. Colorado's got Dallas, and Edmonton's got Calgary. To be honest, when I look at this overall picture and who's in there right now and who isn't, I'm not sure it's going to change. Uh, I think the, uh, the 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 way it looks right now, you've got four teams with 57 points and then Vancouver with 58. That is the Pacific Division right now. Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Arizona, and Vegas are all virtually tied. Um, and then uh, over in the Central there's a pretty good distance um, between uh, Dallas and, and going down to Chicago. I, I think that the Blackhawks are uh, going to make a, a, a run out of it. They're going to make things interesting, but I don't see them sneaking up in there. And I, I really think that Vegas, having made their coaching change recently, I think they're going to find the second wind, and I think they're going to get uh, you know get some space between themselves and, and Winnipeg. So I honestly don't see it changing from the way it is right now. I think things could change between now and then uh, Calgary's got a, a minus 12 goal differential. They need to do something about that. If they don't, they might end up slipping out, but uh, I think a lot of it's going to have to do with what, if any moves happen at the deadline and uh, what some of these teams are able to do, but it is just so close to call right now in the Western conference. that uh, it, it may very well stay the same. Yeah, the only team I see possibly coming out would, would be Vegas. But again, they're so tight in that division. And the team I could see getting in with 54 points is Winnipeg. They've been, they're been they 11-11-2 at home. If they can straighten that out a bit, they're a team that's got the talent, certainly, despite not having the defense. Yeah, which is really kind of surprising to me because Winnipeg is one of the hardest places to play in this league. It's not a big building, but it's full every night, and it is loud. Um, and so you know, to a, exist as a yeah, human being, exactly. Yeah. You get, <laughs> you, you know, you, you get up there and every, you're just like, Oh, I can't wait to leave. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, especially in the winter. So it's, uh, um, it's lovely in the summer, but, uh, in the winter you don't want to be there. So, you know, that does surprise me a little bit, that record, but, um, you know, like, like the same thing with the flyers, it may very well change here over the final, uh, final third of the season. All right, so when the team gets back underway, they'll be back on Friday in Pittsburgh uh, against the Pens coming off that 3 nothing win at home. Uh, then they'll return home to the Wells Fargo Center uh, to kick off the month of February. They'll get Colorado, certainly a good team, a cup contender. They'll get Detroit on the road, New Jersey, the Caps on the road in the first week, and then Florida as well to wrap up the first 10 days. So some intriguing opponents on there. Some lesser opponents on there when you, in terms of looking at Detroit and New Jersey, but Flyers got to get points in all of these games. Right, a lot of fun. First episode yeah. of Flyers Fix is in the books, and uh, we'll have another one for you coming up. So make sure everybody, if you listen, uh, subscribe, give us a rating, give us a review, and uh, we'll check you out next time on Flyers Fix right here. The preceding program is an original production of Flyers Radio 24-7. You can find this and other programs available on demand at flyersradio247.com.